Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest dropped his daughter off for her first day of school today. Rode 12 of 13 roller coasters available at Carowinds over the weekend and did so within a two-hour, perhaps self-imposed time limit. Had a conversation with Andrew Luck about four years into Luck's NFL career while watching beach volleyball. That makes me jealous right there. And oh, by the way, he's really good at covering motorsports, college football, and other things for ESPN. He has a fun ESPN radio and SEC network show with Marty Smith. It's called Marty and McGee. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN McGee. Ryan McGee, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How did you make it through waving goodbye to your daughter on her oh. first day of school today, man? I, I Mine's almost 17 now, and I can flash back to those days. It's it's the worst, and my wife and I have had a, kind of have a routine. You know, we, we cram so much into summer that part of our problem is watching your daughter inevitably grow older. But then a bigger part of the problem is is that our summers are so awesome that we don't want the summer to end. And plus, when summer ends, not only does my daughter go back to school, but it probably means dad's about to go get on an airplane. Yeah. Three months. And so, yeah, it, it's a lot going on. But, yeah, it, I mean, you know the feeling, man. Uh, it's a completely different type of carpool drop-off. It is. There. At high school, dudes walk around with beards and mustaches. They didn't have that over at the middle school. <laughs> All right. When you think back to even earlier first drop-offs, if 10 is that you have lost control of your emotions entirely, and I mean yeah. t- and tears are streaming down your face and you're red-faced, and zero would be like a robotic icy stare. <laughs> uh, and maybe five would be eyes welling up. Maybe this is for kindergarten or first grade at the bus stop. Yeah. Uh, where would Ryan McGee fall on that 10-point scale? Well, today, um, I put myself about a five. All right. Um, but, but I would say this. When we started middle school, for whatever reason, the start of middle school was I had a much stronger emotional response than, like, even pre-elementary school. I hear you. I don't know. It just it, there was something different about it. Plus, middle school is awful, man. It doesn't matter. Listen, I'm a proud alum of West Millbrook Middle School, right there in the Triangle. Yeah. And and I had a, a nice enough time, but I learned very quickly when my daughter was in middle school that it wasn't a whole lot. It's not a whole lot different now than it was in in you know 1980 something. And uh, uh, high school, I think, is probably going to be better. Do you know how I boiled down those emotions as a dad myself when I was dropping Avery off at her bus stop as a kindergartner? I thought of myself as a kindergarten-aged boy, and I thought, oh, that's harmless enough, right? And then when you're dropping your daughter (laughs) at middle school, you think of yourself as the eighth-grade boy. Right. And then you're like, whoa, wait a minute here. What what y'all doing with my little girl? Yeah, you're making it worse. (laughs) I hadn't actually gone there today. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) I I interrupted Ryan McGee's stages of grief as he he drops his daughter. I was actually handling okay, and now you put me in the wall, DJ. I apologize. I can't go straight to football because I have to ask. 12 out of 13 roller coasters at Carowinds within a two-hour period. It was Joe Gibbs Racing Family Day there. Um, Which one did you miss? And then uh, what kind of uh, report card would you give the whole experience to others who may want to try it? Well, I missed the Nighthawk, which is, for folks that don't know, Nighthawk is one where you lay down. Like, you're actually, like you feel like you're flying. And the, and the line was just too long. It takes a while to load okay. people in and load people out. And uh, But, you know, I mean, again, going back to my days in Raleigh, the first time I went to Carowinds, I was on the safety patrol at Fred Olds Elementary. 
And the big reward at the end of the year for standing out in the rain and the snow and everything else all year was you got to go to Carowinds, like a bunch of busloads of, of uh, fifth graders who all went to Carowinds. And so it's it's awesome because a lot of the old coasters are still there. Um, uh, Thunder Road's gone, but but it's it's a roller coaster. It, it's it's bonkers. But my, I went with my daughter and her friends, and I realized very quickly that they didn't have anything to do with me. And so I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do for the next two hours at Carowinds? And it was last Sunday of the year for those guys. And I was like, all right. So I hit them all. I only missed one. And uh, I'm still a little dizzy today, but I, I still pulled it off. His daughter wants nothing to do with him. We want everything to do with him. He is Ryan McGee of ESPN, senior writer there, motorsports, college football, and otherwise. Find him with that Marty Smith guy, SEC Network, ESPN Radio, and the Marty and McGee podcast. He's on Twitter at ESPN McGee. All right, I went into the weekend thinking, man, if we can catch Ryan McGee soon, he once worked with that Miami head coach, Manny Diaz, yeah. uh, back in the day. And, and now Manny, of course, was in the biggest game of the college football weekend. But I'm going to put that on the back burner momentarily because the renaissance man that is Ryan McGee also had a nice beach volleyball side chat with Andrew Luck on Stanford's campus years ago. Uh, how did that go, and then what did you make of the news of the weekend, a shocking retirement of a 29-year-old star in his prime? Well, you know, I'd never really talked to Luck other than a couple of times just in the regular post-game whatever. When yeah, he was at Stanford, scrum. You know, at the locker, at the podium, whatever. I, you know, I'd interviewed his father, uh, Oliver, who was the AD of West Virginia and a lot of other places over the years. And um, so I was familiar with him. I voted for him for the Heisman. Um, but then – uh, I, I was I was actually speaking to the Heisman. I was on campus at Stanford for spring football. Uh, I guess it was what four years ago, five years ago, to do a story on Christian McCaffrey. And um, if you've never been to the Stanford campus, it is there's no no place like it in the world. And I grew up on college campuses, and it's just a different place. And what's amazing about that place is you see you see Bill Gates walking around. Yeah. And you see you know you used to see Steve Jobs walking around and you see all these former athletes, superstars, whatever just walking around and no one thinks it's that big of a deal right. because everyone there's a really big deal. And so the the, the beach volleyball uh, courts were right next to uh, the football practice field and I just walked over there to kill time before they would let me into the practice and there I see Andrew Luck like just hanging out in the grandstands watching beach volleyball. And no one's bothering him. And I think he had just played in the Pro Bowl. And no one – he's just hanging out. That's why those guys like to come back. And I literally tripped over him. Like, that's how I saw him. And we <laughs> sat there and talked for like an hour. I saw him and knew his father. And, and I just – I left thinking that's exactly the guy that you hoped he would be. You just a yeah. good guy. Yep. And, and at the time, I think he'd thrown almost 90 touchdown passes in the league at that point after just four years. So, anybody's banging on that guy for – retiring earlier than they think he should. Um, listen, this is a guy that played with, what, like a lacerated kidney? Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that's played with concussions. Cracked ribs. Played with every injury yep. you can think of. And there's just a point where you just say, I, mean, I learned this from Delaware Jr. There's a point where you just say, quality of life down the road is going to matter. And, um, and he's got more money than he ever expected to have. And so now he can go on to whatever the next chapter of his life is. But the people that ripping him from the Indianapolis fans to – some of our colleagues in the media, uh, that's just a that's just a cheap shot, and I think they've all started to realize that. Now. I'm with you on that. Ryan McGee is joining us. Quick note to interns: Did you detect there? Ryan showed up hours early for his journalism assignment on the Stanford campus, 
and because of that high level of prof professionalism and over-preparedness, accidented into a nice conversation with Andrew Luck that leads to a fun exchange. Well done, Ryan McGee. As usual, you, you crossed paths with Manny Diaz. Now, we know the Hurricanes were disappointed in the final result. It could have gone either way. It was in the season opener of season number 150, Florida 24, Miami 20 in Orlando. I still think the Canes can do some good damage in the ACC, but they lose to the rival Gators what did you what do you uh, remember from uh, your production assistant days with Manny Diaz at ESPN years ago and then what did you take away from that uh, that win by Florida or the loss by the Canes because one thing that I thought was with all due respect to Florida if they're really the eighth best team in the country well then they're they're nowhere near the very top teams and and we have a really stratified college football season awaiting us well and and i'm I'm with you on that I thought they were ranked way too high preseason you know I think that Florida was had a much better season last year than anyone expected, and that includes Dan Mullen and I think sometimes that's a curse. You ask Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, you ask Gus Malzahn at Auburn, you know you can win too early. And, and, you know, sometimes you catch some lucky breaks, but you know that your team maybe isn't as good as everyone thinks that it is because of the win-loss record. And I think that's where Florida is. I think they're going to be great. They're going to be fine. They're going to be set up for the next decade. But I think they still have a lot of work to do. And that was a sloppy game on Saturday night. But, but for, as for Manny Diaz, uh, I've been friends with Manny for 25 years. Hmm. Um, I first met Manny, uh, again, we were production assistants together at ESPN. I started – uh, and the, uh, actually started 25 years ago last week. I started in the fall of, of, uh, of 1994, and he started the following summer and had actually been there as an intern right before I was there. And, I mean, he and his wife lived in an awful apartment across the hallway from my awful apartment. I mean, that's we've known each other forever. And so when we did the piece for game day in Sports Center, we kind of ambushed Manny. He didn't know I was going to be there. We had not. We talked on the phone. We texted. We were Facebook friends. We had not seen each other in years. And so when he arrived on campus and was doing what we call the car wash, a bunch of us from the 90s were waiting on him. And on his little schedule, it said he had so-and-so an interview. It just didn't say who it was with, and it was with me. Yeah. So it was great. And it was great, great to see him. And, you know, I thought he was bonkers because he was on the fast track to be the producer of NFL primetime and, you know, uh, Sunday NFL countdown, all the big-time NFL shows at ESPN. And he walked away because he wanted to try coaching. And his wife, Steph, is the hero because she's the one that said, all right, I'll make it work. And he didn't know what he was doing. If it hadn't been for Chuck Amato, um, yep. who understood Manny was smart, but also understood Manny really didn't even understand what the coaching tree was like. Uh, Chuck Amato gave him a chance. And, of course, as you know, Manny was there in Raleigh for a while. And uh, he's great. I mean, I'm just really, really proud of him. And, and I think he's going to be fine. Miami's going to be fine. Um, they just uh, – I know they wish they could have, particularly that fourth quarterback on Saturday night. Looking forward, we get more college football on Thursday, including Clemson against Georgia Tech. On Friday, Wake actually is involved in one of those at home against Utah State. A whole bunch on Saturday. Best I can tell, I'm not sure many of these are contender against contender, although Oregon against Auburn on ABC on Saturday night. Uh, is one that fits that description. And then we get Houston, Oklahoma on Sunday night on ABC, Notre Dame, Louisville on Monday night on ESPN. Is it really only the one matchup that offers a lot of compelling content, or how long does that list get for you? 
No, it gets it gets really long for me, and it's tough because uh, you know I'll be going to a couple of different games this weekend. I'll actually end up so Monday night, a week from tonight, uh, Marty and I are going to be in the Goodyear Blimp. Ooh. The third time we're going to try to do <laughs> we tried to do it at, at Indiana two years ago for the season opener, and we had too much wind. We tried to do it uh, for Virginia Tech at Florida State last year. And a hurricane uh, uh, grounded the blimp. And so uh, we're going to do Notre Dame-Louisville on Monday night. All right. Uh, going to keep it in the ACC, and uh, that should be interesting. They tell us we can only get so close to the stadium. So we'll bring our binoculars and uh, All right. do whatever that is. But that will be available uh, on, on the ESPN app and, and on uh, it, it, it's a mini megacast is what we're calling it. And what else, uh, in terms of on the field, what else jumps out at you? Is it really the Ducks against Auburn? Was that game in Texas? Um, how, how many others? I mean, we don't expect yeah. Duke to challenge yeah. Alabama or Georgia Tech to challenge Clemson. Well, you're right, and, and that, that's not going to happen. But, but I'm, I, so it, to me, DG, college football is divided into three groups. There is uh, Alabama and Clemson. They're on one tier. Yeah. Then there's that second tier, and I would go – you know, Georgia, Oklahoma, maybe Ohio State in there. And then there's the third tier. And that third tier is a group I would not have had Florida in, but I've got LSU in there. Uh, and there are a lot of teams that could potentially crash that party. And and my question is, particularly when it comes to Oregon, Oregon fascinates me because uh, the Pac-12 needs a savior. Yeah. And and it's not going to be Washington. I mean, they're great. But I just I don't believe they're, one, they're a team that can show up and compete you know, in the college football playoff. And uh, you look at the Pac-12 schedule, and I said this to you a year ago, and I'll say it to you now. Their entire season is in the first three weeks because you look at the matchups they have in the conference and also particularly those cross-conference matchups because if Oregon were to win a game, or if Utah were to win a game, beat BYU, and, and if Utah, you know, we got USC Utah like week three. So the Pac-12 is either going to still be in the conversation after week three, or we will just fall right back into the routine that we're becoming accustomed to, which is you guys have fun on the West Coast. Uh, all the college football that matters is, uh, is on the eastern side of the state or the nation. Last thing for you in the triangle part of our state. All three schools have first-time starting quarterbacks. So you've, pr- you've probably gotten to know Quentin Harris at Duke a little bit because he's a fifth-year senior. But Mac Brown is handing the keys to Sam Howell, a true freshman. And we just learned this afternoon that the redshirt sophomore, Matt McKay, is going to be the starter against ECU uh, this coming Saturday afternoon. If you could only pick one of those three triangle teams – Again, all with a new starter at the most important position on the field to, to put it together, just end up with the best record, whatever that might look like. Uh, which is your pick, and what role does the quarterback play in that pick? Well, uh, to me, and I don't think it, there's that much separating those teams, and I throw Wake Forest in there too, but, but I, you know, NC State, um, I do not believe – I put NC State in the same category, like over in the SEC, that I would, I would give a Kentucky-Missouri, that kind of crowd. I don't believe NC State is good enough to win that division simply because of who we all know is the top of that yeah. division. But I think they're good enough to ruin the season for several other teams. So, I mean, that's, that's a team that can win eight games. And, and I think that uh, if, you, if you're – obviously there's work to do for everyone in the triangle. But if I, if I had to bet on one right now to – have the most wins and playing a little bit better bowl game uh, come the holidays, you know, give me NC State and let's
let's put him in the uh, I don't know. Let's put him in the camp and roll Well done, Ryan McGee. Congratulations on getting through those dad emotions earlier today. <laughs> And uh, thanks for the time, as always, on the David. Yeah, Lynch now show. I gotta go pick her up. I'm gonna be giving every dude the evil eye. Thanks to you. That's it. You muscle up and put that chest out boldly. You lay down the law of the land, Brian McGee, at All that right, high buddy. school. Good to be with you, man. Thanks. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN McGee and be nice to his children. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. As you're taking into the program, we are collecting your ballots for best and worst of the weekend. Among the names I saw there: Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, Troy Aikman, Yankees slugger Aaron Judge, golf superstar Rory McIlroy, who just picked up the biggest winner's check in the history of the sport of golf. The Florida Gators. It wasn't pretty, but they did beat the. Miami Hurricanes. The boys from Louisiana claimed the Little League World Series crown for our great nation. The San Diego Padres had a sense of humor. God knows they don't have a good baseball team. The U.S. Open is back and underway in the big bracket today. College football's return, even if you didn't like all that much the caliber of play between the Canes and the Gators, the official return of college football, that itself got votes for best of the weekend. You can jump in with your question or comment on the events of the weekend or your vote for best of the weekend. The questions of the day are these. Do any of Andrew Luck's critics make good points, or is it really just haters going to hate? As a 29-year-old quarterback in his prime, coming off a Pro Bowl season, in the midst of a five-year, $123 million contract extension that he signed only three years ago. Never, there has never been a quarterback in his prime that just walks away at 29 years old. We've had some great other examples of surprise, shocking young retirements. Sandy Koufax from baseball. Jim Brown from the NFL way back in 1966. Michael Jordan, the first retirement, 1993. He had won three of his six NBA titles. Obviously, he returned. Magic Johnson shocked the world in 1991. After his HIV diagnosis, he retired. But remember, he did return the very next year. Bjorn Borg from the tennis world was on top of that world and yet retired at 26 years old way back in the day. That's another great contribution from our statewide audience. You can be next. What is the most shocking retirement you recall in your life as a sports fan? And do any of Andrew Luck's critics make good points? Or are they, they all just a bunch of haters? Andrew Luck is universally respected by his teammates and opponents, by his former Stanford uh, colleagues by his own team owner and others around the NFL. I give guys with that personal track record a lot of benefit of the doubt, especially when they're making what they describe as, in his case, the hardest decision of my entire life. Some are still hating. Some are booing the media for breaking the story last night. And some called Colts fans the worst of the weekend for booing Andrew Luck as he left the field last night after they had picked up the news of his shocking retirement on their smartphones. It is an awkward time of the year for an NFL retirement. There's no doubt about that. I'll get into more of my thoughts on those topics of the day as we welcome yours. Your votes for best or worst of the weekend, your answers to our question of the day. I have more on those others in the headlines. Serena Williams versus Maria Sharapova later today. One of the highlights of today's sports menu. You can be next. 1-800-849-2761. There has been criticism from the media and booing from Colts fans toward Andrew Luck. There has also been criticism of the criticism. 
with Troy Aikman and others stepping up on Andrew Luck's behalf. We'll get into more of it with your calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Troy Aikman, Cam Newton, Aaron Judge, Rory McIlroy, the Florida Gators, the Little League World Series, the U.S. Tennis Open. Team USA was the worst of the weekend. Did you know they had a 70-plus game winning streak under Mike Krzyzewski when they would just kept winning gold medal after gold medal after gold medal in the Olympics and what they call the World Cup, used to be called the World Championship? Greg Popovich is the new head coach. The next World Cup, as it's called now, starts in about less than a week. And they went to Australia to play a couple of exhibitions against the Aussies. They actually just beat Canada in one more exhibition there earlier today. And then the real stuff gets going in China. So you're kind of on your way to the World Cup. Stop over for a few exhibitions. The Aussies can put five current active NBA players in the lineup at any given time. There are a handful of the teams in the world besides Team USA, of course, that can say that. It is one of the most watered-down Team USA rosters in the 30 years that we've been sending pros into international competition. And sure enough, in the two games against the Aussies, the USA won one and the Aussies won the other. So that watered-down roster came back to haunt the red, white, and blue after 78 consecutive wins for our men's national basketball team in various international tournaments. They lost to Australia, ending that long, long winning streak, like a decade-plus long winning streak. Not a loss that matters for purposes of the World Cup, but certainly a reflection of a very different Team USA that we are sending to China. 1-800-849-2761. Jim wants in on best or worst of the weekend. Brian has college football on his mind. The broad question of the day is, what is the most shocking retirement you recall in all of sports? My statewide and beyond audience never lets me down. They have Bjorn Borg in tennis, 26 years old, best in the world or one of them, and retired at that very young age, even by tennis standards. 26 is very young. Keep in mind that the guys favored to win the U.S. Open this year are all in their 30s. Roger Federer toward the end of his 30s, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic earlier 30s. Bjorn Borg was basically a guy like that that I grew up watching as sometimes the best men's tennis player in the world, retired at 26. Some of your other examples are really good ones. One of the reasons I think Andrew Luck is getting criticized in ways that others are not, I'll give you one by one as we come to your calls. Rob Gronkowski retired at 29, Patriots tight end, but he's a tight end. He gets the benefit of the doubt because he's not a quarterback. He gets the benefit of the doubt because he helped the Patriots to many Super Bowl titles, right? So you get some glow out of that. And he, was, he got to the point where he was the guy running the retirement up the flagpole several years in a row after his own array of brutally difficult injuries. So I, it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison exactly, but point is well taken that Rob Gronkowski wasn't harassed by anybody, and Andrew Luck has his share of critics. I think most of the criticism is out of line. Andrew Luck's making what he called the hardest decision of his life on his terms. And, you know, I'm not resentful that he's put himself in position financially to do this. 
He's made a hundred and some million dollars, 150 roughly, just in terms of salary. Now, over that, what, seven years in the NFL, he's also been a partner with Nike, DirecTV, the body armor sports drink that just came along in recent years, TD Ameritrade. He's actually a guy who limited the number of his endorsement possibilities. He didn't want to be distracted from the task at hand. One of the reasons, you know, the team owner respects him so much, his teammates and opponents respect him so much. Those with a front row seat do not question the guy's passion for football or work ethic or love of the game. He just says that that love and that joy has disappeared because of his endless cycle of injuries, that missed season in 2017. I respect it. He's, make, he's a newly married guy. He's about to become a dad. He has serious health concerns after the cracked rib and lacerated kid, kidney and repeated leg and calf issues here more recently. The shoulder was the cause of an entire missed season in 2017, plus two difficult seasons prior to that. He was the NFL's comeback player of the year, but he is just, just last year, so he is leaving in his prime at 29 years old. There is no exact duplicate of this kind of retirement not at quarterback not in your prime not coming off a pro bowl season there are other early retirements and our friends at 538.com who crunched the numbers neil lomax is a blast from the past with the most similar numbers prior to the age of 30 who retired early neil lomax was coming off of career ending hip surgery it was not like the gray area it was the doctors telling neil lomax you're done andrew luck had not previously run retirement up the flagpole publicly the way Lomax had, the way Gronkowski had. Or in these other examples, Michael Jordan's dad had just died. He wasn't going to get this kind of criticism when his dad was shot dead by the side of the road while driving a car with a Michael Jordan-style license plate on it. That was 1993. Now, Michael later returned again after that shocking retirement in 1993, but that's on the short list. Andrew Luck is now on this short list as well. Michael, for one severe set of emotions, Magic Johnson had just been diagnosed with HIV. You want to talk about extreme emotions, right? He's going to get some benefit of the doubt because of that scary medical diagnosis when he originally retired in 1991. Sandy Koufax, left-handed legendary pitcher, couldn't lift his hand above like shoulder length to brush his teeth or comb his hair. I mean, maybe he got 1960s style harassment from those who said he didn't do enough for the Dodgers. I don't know. The world has changed. Andrew Luck is in the crosshairs for some critics in part because we have social media now. And a lot of these guys retired early and surprisingly at times we didn't have social media and Andrew Luck's a quarterback. And Andrew Luck, unlike Michael Jordan and unlike Magic Johnson and unlike Bjorn Borg and unlike Sandy, Sandy Koufax, he can't point to a Super Bowl ring the way Michael could already point to three NBA championship rings or Gronk could point to, what was it, five or six for him with Brady with the New England Patriots. Magic had already won the NBA title as a member of the uh, L.A. Lakers. It is one of the most shocking retirements in my lifetime as a sports fan. 1-800-849-2761. We're taking more of yours at 1-800-849-2761. Jim and Riley once in on best and worst of the weekend. I did promise quick detail on the Jim Brown story. It was a back and forth in 1966. Jim Brown, nine years in the NFL, nine-time Pro Bowler. 
There was a famous movie back in the day called The Dirty Dozen. Jim Brown was not yet a famous actor, although he had kind of tinkered with it for a couple of years. So he's there at the end of his 20s. He's in the movie The Dirty Dozen. It became very popular. It was about 12 convicts sent to France during World War II to assassinate German officers. And Jim Brown's a, a tough guy, Robert Jefferson. Well, production delays related to bad weather and other things caused him to miss the first part of training camp for the Cleveland Browns. And the owner of the Browns at the time was a guy named Art Modell. Yes, that Art Modell. And he threatened to find the already best player in the NFL, Jim Brown, legendary running back, legend in multiple sports at Syracuse. He said, I'm going to fine you. These numbers sound weird all these years later, but I'm going to fine you $1,500 for every week of preseason training camp that you miss. And remember, this is a different time. The idea that an athlete would tell his owner, I'm sorry, man, I'm making a movie. I'm going to be a little late this year. That wouldn't go over all that well today. In 1966, it was there was not as much, there weren't as many woke people, if you know what I'm saying. It was, he's the owner and you're the player and that's the end of that. Well, Jim Brown's like, man, I've been in this league nine years. I've been to nine Pro Bowls. I'm already one of the best players that this sport has ever seen. He didn't like the low money that Art Modell was offering to pay him. He had previously announced that he was probably going to retire after the 1966 season, which still would have been young. Still would have been like near Andrew Luck's 29-year-old retirement yesterday. But he got so upset at Art Modell's threats, he just said, all right, I told you I might retire at the end of next year. I'm retiring now instead. And that was the end of that. It was in the summer of 1966, a guy many still consider the greatest ever to play NFL football, just told the Cleveland Browns to take a hike. How would that go over today? How would Jim Brown's surprising bleep you Art Modell in the Browns retirement in his prime have gone over if there was sports radio and the internet and Twitter and all this? You know, Dan Dockich and Doug Gottlieb were among those getting their shots in on Andrew Luck 2019 style. I have a feeling Jim Brown, who remember was not dealing with four straight years of injury, who was out making a movie. And was a little late coming back because of production delays. That would have been one whopper of a sports radio conversation had that existed in 1966. Jim, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, hey DJ. Hey, can I can I throw a name in for early return? Oh yeah, Barry Sanders. That's a good one from the football world for sure. Man, I, yeah, I hated it when he, he if he had stuck around, he'd have had a few more records. He and Calvin Johnson are, are modern day yeah. examples of guys in their prime still cranking out great numbers. You know, if they were quarterbacks again, it would have been differently received right. because everybody thinks they can just improvise at virtually every other position. Your starting quarterback pulls the plug in the middle of August, or late August in this case. Uh, it's not going to be received the same way. Uh, but, yeah, football more and more often is having guys retire uh, in their prime or before the age of 30. And in part, we all know it's a more violent game than these other sports we're talking about. And these guys can all see Hall of Famers who need their caretakers to feed them or are battling CTE or some other horrible disease. There was a 60 Minutes segment last night on former NFL player Tim Green who was diagnosed with ALS. This guy was the picture of health. Amazing athlete. Unbelievable at Syracuse at the college level and then for a long time in the NFL. And even as recently as like three years ago, he was giving inspirational speeches. Guy's written like 30-some books. Really, really 
high IQ, smart human being who happened to play football, which also, by the way, describes Andrew Luck. High IQ human being who happens to play football. Way more varied interests compared to the typical NFL football player. He has his own book club. He grew up living in European cities because his dad was an athlete, Oliver Luck. Like, that's a more worldly view than most. You know any other NFL guys with their own book club? I don't. I'm sure there are some. Tim Green still writes books. He can't speak well anymore because of the uh, ALS repercussions. But you want to talk about uh, having your life stolen away from you as you knew it. He's only about my age, 50-ish. And he's gone from speaking engagements to needing almost a translator and special equipment just to be able to, you know, type on his computer because he's losing control of his, not his brain or his thoughts, but he's losing control of his body. And this Herculean athlete is now basically crumbling before his family's eyes. Somebody as smart as Andrew Luck, who's had different physical issues four years running, is smart enough to see that bigger picture in part because he's, he's the son of a guy who's been in sports for his entire life. And that's just more of the sort of the behind-the-scenes details that I think some of Andrew Luck's critics are not giving enough weight to. Go ahead, Jim, with your best or worst of the weekend. Well, the worst, uh, as a Florida Gator fan, is Felipe Frank. Uh, we, we knew what he, we had with him last year. We thought, yeah, maybe Damo can fix it. And first came out, he hasn't changed a bit. He cannot make the quick decision. And then when he does something good, he wants all the glory. And when he does something bad, he has somebody else's fault. Did you, I, I, did, did you see the look on Steve Spurrier's face from the press oh, yeah. box wearing a Gator logo golf shirt? And by the way, some Ohio State fans voted Urban Meyer worst of the weekend because Urban was also there at the Florida game I saw that. and was wearing a Gator logo shirt. Ur Urban, of course, more recently at Ohio State, you know, national champion while with the Gators. But he's still collecting a paycheck from Ohio State, which made some Buckeyes fans not all that. I think he's still teaching a class at Ohio State. So <laughs> should he be wearing that shirt? It's no problem for Steve Spurrier. I mean, what's, it's either the Orlando Apollos Alliance of American football shirt because <laughs> Spurrier's still bragging about that title. Season didn't even end. You know, Tom Dundon pulled the plug. But Spurrier's claiming that as another championship, and he doesn't care what anybody thinks anyway. So he's wearing whatever he wants to wear. But Spurrier's look, as Jim is describing Felipe Franks, the, the Gators' starting quarterback, turnover machine too often last year, with victory in your grasp, he's still throwing the ball into jeopardy. And, man, you, it should be a, a meme or a gif or what do you call those things there? Gifs, gifs. I want a Steve Spurrier. I can't believe he just bleeping through that football. That's what that look oh, was. Oh, they're out there. The still frame, the animated version, the gif or oh gif. Oh, my yeah. gosh. He Th hunches back in his seat and he folds his arm and he's like, did that just happen? Sorry to interrupt, Jim. I'm not even a Gators fan, but I felt the emotions that you must have felt while Steve Spurrier was feeling those. Oh, it's sickening. I think Felipe Franks is a practice player, and you you being around sports all life, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, I, know, I get it. He, he should have a higher IQ by this stage of his career. Yeah, and yeah. by the way, he shouldn't be in the middle of the game taunting Miami fans or high-fiving Florida fans. You want to do that after the game, go for it. But I, I've never met – I've never seen a – your your job does not end as a quarterback when you run to the sidelines. I mean, these guys are always 
oh, headphones to talk to your offensive coordinator or somebody up in the booth. What do you see? What about our next series? What are we going to? What do we like? What do we not like? There's no time for that, for, for running around, taunting opposing fans, or even celebrating with your guys. All, save all of that for the, after the game. That was That's not what you expect from an experienced starting quarterback. But uh, you got the win, Jim, so at least you have that going for you, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't deserve it. But I got the defensive kid other than the penalties. And your best of the weekend? Roy McElroy. Yeah, he was unbelievable. What a man. paycheck, huh? $15 million. I could, I could get by on that. <laughs> I think you and I and all of our friends and all of our family members, I think we'd all get by on $15 million for quite some time. How long would it take us to burn through $15 million? I don't know Jim's lifestyle, but I know mine. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I see my wife's monthly credit card bill, it scares me a little bit. I would be less scared after winning $15 million in a single winner's check at the FedEx Cup playoffs in golf. That's what Rory got done with Brooks Kepka uh, among those in the hunt yesterday in Atlanta. A great field, right? you got to earn your way to the Tour Championship. Only 30 guys have enough points to even be invited. No cut. So whereas, you know, Webb Simpson entered number eight or number nine, had a bad first round, he's out of the picture. Wouldn't he have liked $15 million in one swoop? Comes down to Rory who, remember, has not won a major in five years. Rory McIlroy, at one point in his career, was one of the youngest to have won three or more majors by 25 years old. How's this for a list? You ready? Jack Nicklaus is on that list. Three or more majors by 25. Tiger Woods is on that list, and this is a list you'd want to be on if Jack and Tiger are leading the way. Jordan Spieth is actually on that list, and Rory's the only other name on the list. Three or more majors by 25 years old. Well, he had four by 25. He doesn't have any since. So I think it was a little bit of a Rory reminder that even though he turned 30 years old this year, he's not going to be stuck on four majors forever. He's been the money leader in Europe many times. He's been the money leader on the PGA Tour a few times. He's been a Ryder Cup superhero for Europe many times. Uh, he just hasn't won a major in five years, and that raised questions, and he had answers all weekend in Atlanta. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H- how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> um, you know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him, no hands. I think he's so, a hugger. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. Great answers to our question of the day as we pick over the shocking retirement of Andrew Luck and some of his critics out there. What is the most shocking retirement you recall in your lifetime as a sports fan? Michael Jordan in 1993, he came back. Magic Johnson in 1991 after the HIV diagnosis, he came back. Sandy Koufax of baseball in the 60s, he had injury issues and never came back. Jim Brown, Best of the NFL, also in the 60s. 1966, the nine-time Pro Bowler said, enough of that, I'm moving on, and never came back. 26-year-old Bjorn Borg retired from tennis 
back in my childhood sports fan days as well. Rob Gronkowski retired at 29. Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson retired while still productive as recent NFL examples. But we don't have another quarterback example like this one. One thing I promised as we welcome more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Do Andrew Luck's critics make any good points? We have found just a couple whereas uh, most are rolling their eyes at Doug Gottlieb and Dan Dockich and the others who called him out this weekend. There's criticism of the criticism, if you will. When you put Andrew Luck's career in perspective, it actually brings up the name Cam Newton as well. Cam, eight years after being the number one pick overall to the Panthers. Luck, seven years. One of them he missed, remember, after being the number one overall pick in 2012 to the Colts. When our friends at 538.com, you know, they take as much subjectivity out of these things as they possibly can. When they were trying to put into perspective young quarterbacks who had accomplished the most prior to the age of 30. Now, we all think of Peyton Manning as a GOAT overall at the quarterback position, and rightly so. Even when you shorten the timetable, like, in other words, Tom Brady would only get credit in this study for what he did by 30. He doesn't get credit for everything he's done by 42. They looked more narrowly to try to make it more apples to apples with Andrew Luck stepping down at 29 years old last night. Peyton Manning had done the most by 30 years old in the eyes of 538.com. Really good website on sports and politics and economics and a lot of other things. You know who was number two? By the age of 30 in the history, or they went back to 1960, so I should say in modern NFL history. Cam Newton. Number two behind Peyton Manning, greatest accomplishments, according to a metric it's called approximate value. In that 60 years of NFL history, Peyton won, Cam two. Other names in the top five included, this is, again, only what you accomplished prior to 30 years old, Fran Tarkenton of the old Vikings, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, and Ben Roethlisberger. Those are actually the first names. Andrew Luck is on that list as well. More on that huge story of the weekend, more of your best and worst of the weekend. The number's the same, 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. How Andrew Luck's favorite book, I am not kidding, how it helps you understand his shocking decision from last night. Lee wants in on Andrew Luck. Others want in on best or worst of the weekend. We are coming back to your phone calls. How did Aaron Judge make best or worst of the weekend? The U.S. Open, Serena Williams, the San Diego Padres, and more. Your calls, too. Next. The head devil. David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. 